This episode is brought to you by the generous support of LaPay, a Texas member benefit provider. Getting paid just got a lot easier. Check them out at LaPay.com. That's LaPay.com for more details. And now on to the show. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the State Bar of Texas podcast. As I'm sure you hear, this is not Rocky Deer. This is Lawrence Galetti stepping in to help Rocky out in a pinch here. So we're at the State Bar of Texas annual meeting down here in Houston, Texas. Very hot, especially from uh, for some of us from uh, Southern California. Very warm here, but warm-hearted people, a lot of fun. And we're going to go ahead and get started. We've got a wonderful panel joining us today. We have Brad Adams and David Margulies. Margulies, like Hercules. Like Hercules. Margulies. I like that. I like that. So very nice guys. And uh, they just, uh, they're getting ready to present a uh, session titled Crisis Communications and Crisis Management. And, you know, I think after watching the, uh, you know, watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case, you know, I probably could have benefited from some of your advice early on in those early days as a lot of that stuff got out there. But let's get started. Before we uh, begin, I want to learn a little bit more about you personally, professionally, you know, where do you work? What do you do? Let me start with Brad. Sure. Brad Adams. I'm the president of Southwest Transplant Alliance, and we oversee the organ donation process for the state of Texas. So experience a number of different situations where these types of skills and crisis communication and crisis management come into play. All right. And you, David? Margulies Communications Group. I'm a former broadcast journalist. And for the last 36 years, I've been involved in PR, crisis management, and in legal cases that have gone all the way to the Supreme Court twice. Wow. Wow. So I've got I've got a really great expert panel here. So that good. Good. That's good. So uh, good information out there for our for our listeners. So we'll give us the gist. You know, obviously, there's a lot that you covered over was about an hour and a half was the presentation. Right. OK, so just going to give us the 50,000 foot and we'll dig in. Well, basically, the most important thing from a legal perspective is when you're looking at an issue, you also include a look at whether it it has the potential to explode on social media or mainstream media. Lawyers write memos to their clients about the case. That needs to be a question because if you work with experts, you can figure out this is something that could go viral. This is something that could make us look bad. And very often in legal issues, you have a strong legal case, but once it gets out in the public, uh, the, that changes. You don't want to look bad and so okay, you'll fix something. Uh, so our whole deal is to get people to think about in any kind of a legal issue, is there a, is there a media implication and then be ready to deal with that. So winning basically in the court of popular opinion is what you're talking about. Being ready to respond, very often responding is you've killed a negative story. We've killed stories in 60 minutes simply by responding with factual information. And they said, okay, that wasn't what we were looking for. Uh, Working with our legal counsel to get that information to them. Sometimes you can turn around the story completely if you give the reporter information in a timely manner that makes your client say your client's the bad guy and all of a sudden no wait a minute your client was a victim just like the other people who were complaining so it's getting in there so that when a reporter calls and says uh, you've got an hour to respond to a complex legal issue here's my pre-approved vetted response that everybody's looked at everybody's commented on here you go and that really makes a huge difference Let's dive into uh, some uh, case studies here. You know, I think uh, you know giving some examples kind of helps crystallize the uh, the context here. So, want to start? So, there's a bad way to re- uh, to respond to an emergency, and there's a good way to respond to emergencies. So, iconic examples. Why don't we start with the bad way to address a problem? You guys have some examples there, I'm sure. Uh, many. Go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. The the one that you, 
sadly that you're seeing going on right now, you can turn on the TV today, is what happened in Uvalde. Uh, you have a situation where it's very complex, multiple law enforcement people responding, multiple other people responding, thousands of bullets fired, and the media is there pounding the table and the governor saying, what happened? And you make the classic mistake of, well, this is what happened. And then 60 minutes later, it's, well, no, wait a minute. That wasn't exactly, you never get ahead of the facts that you have, despite all of the pressure that you're going to have from executives or from elected officials. And so we teach the NTSB approach where I can get up and hold a news conference for two hours on what happened without getting ahead of what I actually know, because uh, you're going to explain the process. And if they had done that, they wouldn't have this horrible situation where, well, it took an hour. No, it took 30 minutes. There was a 911 call. He had a radio. He didn't have a radio. You, you sort all those things out, and then you can affirmatively say at some point what happened and what didn't happen. So many examples of, of bad uh, responses to a crisis. Uh, what's unfortunate is I don't know of many of them that weren't predictable situations for those organizations. Unfortunately, there is going to be passenger uh, disruption on an airline. There is going to be a data breach for a major retailer. There is going to be a mass school shooting these days, unfortunately, uh, that school districts are going to have to respond to. There are situations that they can prepare for and that they can, they can if they take the time to actually uh, practice responding in these situations, uh, they can, that can go a long way for them. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, uh, incredibly unfair for the, the population at large to, you know, play Monday morning quarterback for some of these things. You know, they're, they're not seeing it through the eyes of the people that are going through it. But however, you only have the lens of what the media is out there reporting and you're trying, as people do, we're trying to make sense of, of tragedy. And so you start asking questions. And when the storyline changes, it begins to build mistrust. And I think that that's kind of what you, you all are talking about. It's like, you know, don't get in front, don't get over your skis, just give the information that you have and you go from there. And I think above all, and let me know if you guys disagree, just tell the truth. Like this is what we know at this time and that's it. And that's part of the dilemma. I'm, I'm an attorney by trade before becoming the president at Southwest Transplant Alliance. And I think that's part of the dil dilemma for attorneys is they, they want to wait. They want the, you know, to instead say no comment. They're afraid what they're going to say is going to damage their case in a court of public uh, law as opposed, as opposed to the court of public opinion. 50% um, of, of uh, those surveyed say that a response in a crisis situation needs to come within an hour. Uh, the social media impact of what it is that we're up against is it's new and it's frightening, but it, it requires a response now. And so to your point, Lawrence, it you just have to say, look, this has happened. We're sorry it happened. We'll get to the facts that uh, as we can. Don't get ahead of yourself on that and try to shut it down as best you can in that situation to where you can take the time to actually then navigate what it is that's the, the risk or the liability for, for the client or for the organization. And I definitely want to get in on that social media a little bit more detail there. But, uh, you know, before we get there, I want to just try to maybe there's a textbook example of somebody that handled a crisis really well that we share. I think aside from learning from the bad cases, there's things you can learn from a good case as well. So do you guys have some examples of, a hey, this person knocked it out of the park in terms of PR? Well, one of the things, like I said, when, when 60 Minutes, literally Mike Wallace is in town calling and saying, I want to interview your client, and you can get Mike Wallace to go home and not interview your client, the, the best things that we do never appear on TV. The best things that you do 
uh, never are in social media and they're the hardest to brag about because the client doesn't want people to know 60 Minutes was there looking for them. But we have a 50-page book for one client that outlines, as Brad said, all of the things we know could go wrong. And we have a detailed list of how we will respond to them. So we have a lot of factual information about who does what and how the process works. And the other thing is if you're working, when we work with attorneys, what they're teaching us and then what we're applying is what words don't we use? What words can we use? So, for example, in uh, buildings, we would never say there's security at this hotel because that implies something that they're not guaranteeing. They're not the police. So we might have a courtesy officer armed to the teeth with a guard dog, but he's a courtesy officer. So there, there are words you leave out. We once had a case where we had a news release and we said, well, this is going to be better than new. And the attorney said, no, the insurance only covers us making it new. So you, you've, you, once you understand how the process works, in, I've never had a case where it blew up on social media or mainstream media that when I called the client and said they want to know about this, they said, I don't know what they're talking about. They always knew. They knew for weeks. Sometimes they knew for months. And they just, oh, don't worry about this. It'll never, nobody will ever find out. But when we know about it in advance, it's much easier to respond. I want to dive a little bit into the social media aspect of it because I think this is one that uh, is a diff- this is a game changer in terms of responding to crisis because Truly, you can have just a handful of people blow a story up. It might be, you know, uh, an influencer out there, an Instagram influencer, or somebody that's really popular on Twitter. You know, uh, it could just be just a few people, and their audience or their following is very loyal to that. They expand it. So relatively few people involved, maybe someone without facts and information just destroys your credibility, uh, you know, instantly. And then the piling on begins. And then, you know, especially if, uh, you know, this, this goes out for media companies out there, if you have sponsors, sponsor sees that it's like my name is all over that program and they start pulling stuff and it puts immense pressure on an organization that is just trying to do the responsible thing and respond when they have all the facts so what do you do with that what i mean obviously there's got to be some kind of mechanics to get out in front on social media right away and just say hold on something ha- something's happening we'll come back with some facts hold on you just keep people at bay until you can kind of get to where you need to get to so what advice do you have there just you know kind of explain how complicated that can get when social media influencers and big time people get involved. The very first thing that we always do when something becomes that big of a story, obviously there's something to it. There's something that is driving public interest in that angle. You don't wanna set yourself up for an us versus them situation. Your first thing that you do is to empathize with their with their uh, situation, with whatever the crisis is that they are all glomming onto and to say we are we we feel the same way about what it is that uh, you're experiencing. We are going to get to the bottom of that and figure out how to make that right. Um, it's the admission piece that attorneys are so afraid of in the very beginning, but that can do so much good to aligning you with them so that then they don't become combative. You can start to uh, diffuse some of the tension. You can even make the story go away at times because you've offered them the opportunity to understand better because you have partnered with them, you've not become uh, combative against them. Also, we analyze most social media posts that are negative don't go anywhere. And so we've learned even from our clients who said, look, this comes up all the time. It's very negative. Nobody cares. So the first thing is you don't overreact. 
uh, because most of the time it goes away. The other thing that works very well, Southwest Airlines did a great job of this. They just called the guy who was complaining on the phone, said, hey, we're sorry. And once they got him on the phone, he said, okay, fine. And so a lot of times, and we've done this also, reached out to the person, got their contact information, set them straight on the issue or apologized. And they're like, fine, you know, I'm dropping it and going on. Uh, if it's obvious something was wrong, yes, you do have to say that, but you also want to be careful, like with the airlines, uh, they can't afford to be throwing their employees under the bus every time somebody complains. So you have to kind of balance out. Uh, but most, as Brad said, most airline things that, that crop up are pretty similar. But Disney always has this issue with how people are dressed. You know, that comes up over and over again. So it's not that hard to respond to it. Uh, because you know what's coming. And in most cases, it's easy to respond to. I want to close it out with a uh, moral of the story here. So, uh, you know, it sounds like from what uh, you all are saying is that, you know, part of the, uh, you know, part of the crisis management game is to get in front of it, try to predict things that can happen in your line of business. And so I guess what I'd like to do just to kind of close things out for everybody to benefit uh, attorneys out there that represent, uh, you know, clients and organizations. Uh, what do you do before and then what do you do after? Why don't we start with the before component? How can you get in front of it before anything happens? It's all about preparation. Um, it, what's interesting is for attorneys, a lot of attorneys, what they're doing is they are assisting their clients in navigating risk. They are figuring out ways to mitigate situations that could become a problem. They could do their clients a huge service by carrying that one step forward to the point that if for some reason the mitigation strategies aren't effective and the risk itself presents, well, how are you going to respond to that? What are you going to say? What is your strategy for each of these predictable situations? It's all in the preparation. And David, let's flip the script. Let's do the, uh, what do you do after, after it happens? Uh, you know, all of a sudden your client calls you up and it's like, hey, this awful thing happened. We're embroiled in this. Our reputation is being ruined. We got to have your help. What do you do? Basically, we tell them to refer all media calls to us. Nobody is, <laughs> seriously. No, that's right. I am not a spokesman. Uh, because you'll have all kinds of different people make comments who shouldn't, don't, may not know what's going on. We get the background. That's the toughest thing. But because we've been doing it for so long, we usually, people said, I had a CEO say to me, do you know anything about bankruptcy? Yeah, as a matter of fact. Well, hey, we're going bankrupt. Well, we knew what questions to ask because we had done that before. So generally, we can pretty quickly get to an answer. I think we did one in about 20 minutes because the reporter was actually standing, you know, outside the building getting ready to criticize our client for something they weren't responsible for. And, and luckily, we were able to get a response. But if they had told us about it two weeks ago, we could have probably killed the story or gotten a much better response. So that the biggest thing, and, and I'll real quickly, uh, is denial. And Sully Sullivan, when his, they asked him, what's the first thing that came to your mind when your engine has quit? And he said, this can't be happening to me. This doesn't happen to me. And that's what we have to fight is the idea of, oh, this is no big deal and nobody will find out about it or it'll never get in the press or, or the answer is no. Let's be ready in case it does. And if it doesn't, great. We're so much the happier. I've got lots of stuff in my files I've never used, but boy, if they call, it's two o'clock in the morning or it's Sunday afternoon. Here's the vetted answer that won't give the attorney a heart attack on Monday. <laughs> 
Well, gentlemen, thank you so Thanks. much for joining us today. Now, I want to give you one opportunity here. You know, if there's a client out there or there's a law firm out there that uh, routinely deals with high profile clients, you know, uh, they want to follow up, ask some questions. What's the best, uh, what's the best way to reach you? PRExperts.net. David M. at PRExperts.net. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast brought to you by LaPay. Thank you again, LaPay. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, now Amazon Music, or better yet, your favorite podcasting app. I'm Lawrence Cloutie. Until next time, thank you for listening.